Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Pump Fake heading into week 17. It is Saturday before week 17 Sunday. Jarrett Bailey joined by Matt Perino. It's good to see you again. I haven't talked to you like face to face since like the preseason. How are you? Good. Those were simpler times, you know. Uh, Carson Wentz was still a star- every week starting quarterback in the NFL. And, oh, wait a second. He, he is a starting quarterback in the He's NFL back. again. Big time. Big time developments. <laughs> yeah, no, I still have visions of Carson Wentz dancing in my head uh, and back in August. Now it's, uh, you know, it's Taylor Heineke led the commanders to win, what, six out of seven or six out of eight or whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, my... To be fair, my Washington Commanders playoff prediction is still very much alive. There you um, go. So I'm still I'm happy about that, and I'm I'm very much hopeful that Carson Wentz just has the two games of his life these next couple weeks. I didn't get a uh, a Carson Wentz uh, Colt jersey in the mail, by the way, from you either. I was pretty disappointed about that. Yeah, I know it's it, it must be like because of like Mal is behind in Buffalo after the storm. That must be it. Like, <laughs> and it just it, it's going to get there someday, I think. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be checking the mail every day. I, I have I've had two packages with my name on them show up. And I'm like, there it is, <laughs> and it never is. It is good to see you though, my friend. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are having another great season. Uh, I think everybody kind of expected that. There's no surprises here. Um, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman finally get a game worth a damn, which is pretty good because I'm pretty sure they were you know close to taking somebody hostage if they got another Colts Chargers game. Um, <laughs> Bills Bengals on Monday night football. Cincinnati's won seven straight, like very quietly. I feel like nobody's talking about the fact that Cincinnati's won that many in a row over some quality competition as well. Um, in Buffalo, I think that this is, this would be their signature win of the year outside of maybe Kansas city, you could say, but um, considering Isn't it amazing that, how far that, that, that is crazy. That is that, crazy. That win is like an afterthought at this stage of the it's season. Insane. I think part of it is because like the Bengals beat the chiefs. So, yeah. You know, you got Joe Mixon out there in Cincinnati today talking about the Bengals being the top dog in the AFC. And listen, there's there's validity to the claim. I mean, they beat the Chiefs last year. They went to the Super Bowl. They beat the Chiefs this year. And now these are kind of like the three heavyweights in the AFC. And we get a, kind of a chance to see what this looks like. Burrow versus Allen, two different elite style quarterbacks, but elite, no doubt about it, both of them. And you know, I think this Bengals offense has probably been cruising along at a little bit better clip than the Bills offense, but the Bills offense has sneaky been doing it. Like I know that there's, you know, a lot of people are down on Allen uh, over the last eight to nine weeks since the the elbow injury, but I think part of it's by design. I think they've been wanting to get their run game going a little bit. James Cook, Devin Singletary have been a little bit better uh, over the course of the past four or five games, but there's so many. We just did our show this morning. Um, there's so many fun matchups to dive into in this one it's it's going to be a, an epic no and if it lives up to the hype this is going to be one of the game games of the year um in terms of i mean the matchups for this are interesting because if you look at the the Bengals front seven since dj reader return it's been fantastic he's playing in an all pro level when healthy um you just mentioned the bills trying to get their run game going if, if they can find success against this really good Bengals front seven and, and gain some sort of you know a really good balance with uh the run game and pass game it's going to be hard to slow down what Buffalo can do if they're clicking on all cylinders. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting matchup because I think the Bengals do a really good job historically. Um, Lou Maruno uh, under him 
against running quarterbacks, but Allen is like a like a different style of like a beast when it comes to handling him. Of course, he do, he does what he does in the scramble game, like when the play breaks down and he just gets out of the pocket or he just runs it up the middle and just is, starts looking for open field. But the design runs is one of the areas where I think it'll be interesting to see how the Bengals combat that because what they've liked to do against really good quarterbacks, like Patrick Mahomes being the most recent example, is drop eight, rush three because they have such good you know penetrators at the front of the, uh, and kind of disguise things before the snap and then rely on the fact that, all right, you could try to run the ball down, down the field if you want. But it changes a little bit when you're doing that against a team that has Josh Allen who – he wants that. Like he wants to be able to kind of affect the game as a runner as well. And so they'll, they'll probably mix some things up in that department. Six snaps last week for Cole Beasley. This will be his third game back now this week. If they elevate him off the practice squad, I think he's kind of an, like an extension of the run game a lot. I mean, they're not getting a lot of separation at the receiver position outside of Stefan Diggs. So Beasley's that's where he's been at his best over the course of his career is being able to separate. Can he still do that? Here at 33 years old, 34 years old, I got to look at how old he is, actually. I'm thinking about it off the top of my head. I think it's 34. We'll see. But that could be a lever that they need to pull in this game. Uh, we'll see if they can do it. Yeah, if they put him in his you know, predominant slot spot, which is likely, I mean, he'll be matched up against Mike Hilton, who's one of the better nickel guys in football. So that would be a really fun matchup to pay attention to in and of itself. Um, and you mentioned the separation. I mean, Stefan Diggs is, you know, we know what he's going to bring to the table. Gabe Davis, I think there's a lot of big expectations for him coming into the year, and I don't think he's necessarily met those. Um, he does have those games like every fourth game where he'll pop off like he, he did against Pittsburgh where he had three catches for like 900 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and then uh, he came up big last week or yeah, last week against Chicago. Uh, he had the early touchdown grab. Um, I, I think there was a lot more expectations of him turning into, you know, one of the premier number two guys in the league. Um, while I don't think he's met those, I still think that he is a very viable threat uh, opposite of Diggs. Um, what, what are your expectations for him going into this week uh, against the Cincinnati secondary that, um, you know, we know that they've the, the front seven's kind of the juice of this defense. But I mean, they've got guys in the back end as well. Yeah. And some of the advanced stats show that they do a really good job of taking teams number one option out of a game. So you figure they're going to try to do everything they can to make sure Stefan Diggs is figured out and somebody else is going to have to step up. And that has been Davis in big spots over the course of the last few seasons. And this year there's been a, he's sprinkling a couple of big games. They ask him to do a lot. And from week to week, matchup to matchup, you know, he's, I still don't think he's hundred percent off that ankle injury or that he suffered earlier in the season. Um, he hasn't had as many of those explosive games outside of, you know, the one against the Steelers there in uh, week five. Uh, and I think the expectations were maybe a little bit too high, myself included, coming off that Chiefs game last year to, for him to replicate that week in and week out. I think that's kind of a big ask. His numbers are kind of hovering around the same thing that he did a year ago. Uh, and I think most Bills fans wanted to see more. And I think this is a time of year where he can maybe take the next step, take his game to the next level. They might need him to be able to do that in this offense. But yeah, I think it's fair to say that there might be a little disappointment in what he's done this year. I think, like I mentioned, the injuries had a part played a part in it. Um, and I also think that not having that other player, like even when Beasley, you know, like I mentioned, he's only been on the team for three weeks here this season. Even when he wasn't going good last year, having him out there forced teams to have to game plan for him. 
and not having that and having Isaiah McKenzie be kind of a disappointment in his own right, uh, I think has maybe hampered Davis a little bit too. And also Diggs has just gone like absolutely super scion this season. I mean, he is, he's gone from what he did last season, which was good, but he's almost like going to have a better year this year than he did his first year in Buffalo target share receptions, touchdowns, yardage, all that stuff has been so explosive that, you know, I just don't think that there it's, there's a lot of miles to feed in the offense and Stefan Diggs sits at the seat of the, the head of the table. And sometimes it's, you know, it's scraps for everybody else. And I think that might be play into it a little bit with Davis too, but this is a kind of game that's almost tailor made for Davis. So it's a, it's a good one to, you know, watch him as a player to watch. I think it's almost a yin and yang situation too, for the both sides, because while Jamar Chase is fantastic, I mean, he was missing some time, and T. Higgins looked like a, a superstar in his absence with the games that he was having. Tyler Boyd can still have, you know, he's their third receiver, and, you know, he's still, in terms of a trio in the league, Chase, Higgins, and and uh, Tyler Boyd, I don't know if you're going to find a better one than that in the NFL. Um, not to mention Hayden Hurst has had a really solid year at tight end. We know how good Joe Mixon is. Um, There's going to be a really big test for, uh, for the Bills' defense, because, yes, I mean, you can – the win against the chiefs was good. And anytime you beat Kansas city, there should never be an asterisk next to it. Um, and that's not what I'm saying, but, uh, you look at the, the skill position guys, uh, in Cincinnati compared to that of Kansas city. I think that's much deeper for the Bengals. Uh, this is going to be a ginormous testing factor for, for the bills, especially at this point in the season, heading into the postseason. Um, I'm curious to see how they, how they handle this, this big collection of skill guys for the Bengals. Yeah, and I wonder how how much respect there is on the Bengals side, their mm-hmm. offense for the Bills defense, especially now without Von Miller. Like that was kind of a piece to all of this that going into any game, you knew you had to figure out how to deal with him, especially late in games when he could just rush the passer and change the course of a game. He did that in the Chiefs game earlier this year. So now that they don't have that, are you getting consistent pressure? Like I, I think that this is an opportunity this week for those Bills edge rushers, Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa to have an effect on this game. They're going to play, uh, you know, uh, a practice squad, right tackle, uh, Prince, I'm forgetting his last name, Isaiah Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the expectation. And that is a great matchup for Greg Rousseau. And he's actually played really good against elite quarterbacks in his two years in the league. I mean, he's had some of his best games against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, Joe Burrow isn't. As mobile as Patrick Mahomes. So I think there could be some success to be had there. On the other side, you know, Shaq Lawson, um, AJ Epinesa, Jonah Williams has been okay. Like I think the strength of that offensive line for the Bengals has been on the interior. Absolutely. They he struggled against Josh Uche and Matthew Judon last week, Jonah Williams. And I think that this could be a huge opportunity. And the Bills defensive line has to pressure Joe Burrow. He's got to force him to be uncomfortable and get the ball out of his hands quickly. And listen, he'll check it down. They can ding and dunk down the field, but you have to do that because the alternative is letting him sit back there, find all those weapons you were talking about, and that is not the rest of Yeah, I mean, losing Lyle Collins is definitely a huge bum, a huge bummer for, for the Bengals' offensive line. But you talked about the strength being the interior. The Kappa and Karras have been definitely the, the anchors of that offensive line. Um, and they're, the struggles for that unit were well documented in the first half of the season because they didn't play in the preseason. So it took them a little bit longer than you know most units to get you know adjusted to everything and playing together. Uh, so the month of September was more or less their preseason. And we saw that in the first two games against Pittsburgh and Dallas when they really struggled. Um, so I will be 
I, for the Bills front front seven, I mean, they took guys like Russo, um, who's been, by the way, when they took him, I, they took him, and I think they took Basham like back to back picks, didn't they? When they uh, yeah. when they drafted them, they were just trying to beef up that that defensive line and just took a bunch of really quick, tall guys. But we've seen Russo has played really well. Ed Oliver has played really well. Um, getting Trey White back, they got him back Thanksgiving. Um, so I mean, they're yes, they lose Von Miller, but there's a reason why you draft um, these types of guys when you do, and uh, this is kind of their moment to step up. Um, Matt Milano has also been fantastic this season. Um, we'll see how he affects the game uh, underneath over the middle. I'm excited to see how he kind of handles the, uh, the tight end and intermediate game. Maybe Joe Mixon as well. It's going to be a fun, a fun battle of wits between these two teams. And um, I don't know, man. To me, like coming into the year, I picked the, the Bills to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, the way that the, that the Bengals have been playing, I'd be hard-pressed to not say that they're, they're the better team as of right now. I think that's a fair take to have if you want to have it. Um, I think defensively, I think that they're they're stronger on the defensive line. I think the I think the Bills have better linebackers, and I think it's kind of a coin flip um, secondaries. But I will say the best secondary player on either team is Jordan Poyer, and um, the Bills are undefeated with him in the lineup. And he's been battling this knee injury the last two weeks. He he went through practice last week where he didn't practice most of the week, then practiced the, uh, the last day, and then he ended up playing. Same thing this week. Uh, he's questionable to play. But, I mean, I, I have a hard time believing that Poyer is not going to play in this game. I mean, there is an ultimate gamer. He's been waiting for this game his entire career. So I – I, I think this is a massive, massive game from that uh, department. But offensively, like, yeah, like the Bills have been trying to figure out what's the best version of themselves since the beginning of the season. When they came out cooking, like they were absolutely throwing the ball around the yard against the Rams and the Titans. And, you know, by the time they got to that Packers game, like, you know, teams started figuring them out a little bit. Now, the the nice thing, if you're a Bills fan, is that – they are absolutely 100% battle tested. They have played one of the toughest schedules in the league. Their strength of, of victory, uh, I believe, is still the highest in the NFL. Yeah. And lately, like if you go back to the storyline of last year, they couldn't win close games. They were like 0 for 9, even into the start of this season in one score games. Well, I don't think that they've lost a one score game outside of the Vikings game um, since week two or week three against the dolphins and that vikings game was a little bit of an anomaly they probably should have won that one so i think some of the experience that they've had the the, the tough fights that they've been in you know it, it, it all like leads to this moment and i think in the end jared it it's gonna come down in this game just like it does with the chiefs which quarterbacks on the field last and who has the ball last and who can make one more play than the other one? Like, that's what these these plays come down to. I mean, what did the Chiefs had the fumble against the Bengals, right? Like yeah. late in that game. You know, those are the kind of mix, the mistakes that will lose you games. I mean, Josh Allen had two interceptions last week. Can he keep that part of the stat sheet clean this week? That's a huge question mark. Can Burrow do the same? This is a Bills defense that historically forces good quarterbacks to make mistakes. They they don't have any interceptions since week 10 outside of a Hail Mary from Nathan Peterman in garbage time last week in the Bears game. So this this defense is just it's due. It's due to take get some takeaways. And part of that might have to do with Von Miller being out of the lineup and them not having any reliable edge pressure uh, outside of Rousseau, who's played well in probably half of those games. 
uh, and he missed a couple of the games, and, and he's now their most reliable, you know, pure press rusher on the edge. And I think you got to ask for a little bit more from Ed Oliver in a big game. He's done really good against some of the more banged up offensive lines, but this is one of those games where he's going to go up against, like you mentioned, Kappa, Karras. Uh, he's going to have to have some some wins, get to Joe Burrow, and this might come down to which defensive line is more successful at not only containing but hitting and sacking the opposing quarterback. Yeah, and the Bengals also, I mean, offensively, yes, they got out to a big lead, but they also played really sloppy last week against the Patriots, uh, especially late. A lot of turnovers, a lot of uncharacteristic plays, and that's fine. You can overcome that against a team that's quarterbacked by Mac Jones and has nobody that scares you offensively. Um, but if you do that against the Buffalo Bills, who have elite talent defensively and offensively, you know, that's going to come back to bite you in the butt. Even against the Chiefs, though, I mean, we uh, Tyler Boyd dropped that wide open touchdown pass. They had to settle for three. Um, you know, they Cincinnati made their own mistakes. Um, but again, and as good as Patrick Mahomes is, like this Chiefs offense in terms of their skill position, guys, I mean, there is no Tyreek Hill, obviously. You know, Juju Smith Schuster and Marquez Valdez scaling don't scare you as much as Tyreek Hill would. Um, so I do think that the Bills do have a little bit of, a, of an advantage there where, all right, you got to worry about Stefan Diggs. Uh, you got to worry about now about James Cook, who's kind of had. Similar to Devin Singletary last year, where in the second half of the year, he's just really become a, a bigger part of the offense. We saw that, especially against Miami. Um, so there's different guys that you got to kind of, you know, you can't put all your eggs in one basket to try to take away uh, if you're the Bengals defensively. And um, I'm looking forward to this, man. If, if this lives up to the hype, it's going to be a heavyweight, a heavyweight battle. Comes down, bet the over. What is the over on this game? I wonder what it is. You have a guess? Super high. I think it was like around 46, 47. I would take that. I think this could be, you know, a 30 to 24 type game, 30 to 27. Uh, I, I picked the Bills 27, 24, and my team partner, Ryan, picked the Bengals 27, 24. So, ah, all right. I had an eye on the score. What, what is the FanDuel has the over under at 49 and a half? 49 and a half. Wow. Yes. Is that where it opened or is it bet up? I assume they would have bet up because usually you'll have like the adjustments throughout the week and whatnot. I'll have to go back and see what it opened as, but I, I would assume it didn't open as that. Are you surprised at, let me ask you a question. Are you surprised uh -huh. at the, I don't want to say if it's hubris, confidence, cockiness coming out of the Cincinnati this week, like whether it be Joe Mixon today or Tyler Boyd earlier this week, they are they, they have provided some bulletin board material for the Bills this week. I mean, and I don't know if that's maybe by design. They seem to be a team that's comfortable chatting it up. I mean, it, we've seen it with the Chiefs over the last couple of years too. Um, but for two teams that have never played each other, you'd think you'd want to keep it as neutral as possible. They're unapologetically just letting it all hang out. I think that this is just kind of like – they know that, okay, the Cincinnati Bengals, this is their first time being relevant, like seriously relevant in God knows how long. And they know that. And they know that the fans have been dying for a winner. So they're going to talk their smack. They've won seven in a row. Good for them. Uh, it does seem like something that's going to, like it's like destined to end up on like freezing cold takes or something the next day where they're going to like have like a little bit of a, a segue of, all right, Tyler Boyd said this, Joe Mixon said this, let's put it on a loop and, uh, and go back and revisit that and see how it works. And I'm sure that, if if Buffalo does win this and like convincingly as well, we're gonna see the Bills like PR team like of the of their Twitter account just tweet out something just hysterical. And it, oh, they're collecting it. all of this. They're Absolutely, all of this this week. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. And especially if like Mixon and or Boyd don't have big games, like wa- watch right. out. Like that's going right. to be. So I don't know. In terms of like how. Yeah, no, it is kind of hard to find a word for this because I don't want to say like cocky because that sounds in terms of the confidence. I like the confidence at the same time, though, there is a fine line between cockiness, confidence. You know, one of them is looked at in a negative way. One of them is looked at in a positive light. They're kind of teetering that line. If you saw Joe Burrow's press conference, I mean, he was nothing but, you know, at, give admiration to Josh Allen, admiration right. to the team and whatnot, um, which I mean, I, I like think it. I like yeah, I, I like it. I, I prefer something a little bit different every once in a while. Like every week, we go into these matchups, and there's so much respect, and there's so much admiration. <laughs> and then you get out there, and you see all of this like trash talk getting slung around. And it's like, all right, let's just be real a little bit here. Like, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, Joe Mixon doesn't think that they're the Ravens' uh, level of of linebacking crew. Cool. Like, great take. Like, let's see. Right. And, and, I, and that's I, also, what I also like that. I also like that because, you know, I think that a lot of people are like, you know what? I want these athletes to be real and tell me what they really think. And then when they do, all, all people do is bitch and moan about them, you know, being, oh, he's saying this about this team. Oh, he must not have any. Shut up. It's just, <laughs> I, I like the fact that, you know, Joe Megan is saying, yeah, I think the Ravens got better linebackers. I, I like that too. And you know what? If you're Matt Milano or if you're Trey Edmonds, you're seeing that. It's like, oh, he thinks that, huh? All right. Yeah. Well, we'll jot that down. Um, so I'm excited right. to see how it plays out on the field. Um, there is a few non bills Bengals things I wanted to bring up to you because there was something oh. that appeared on my timeline today. Um, Josh Larkey, who does fantastic fantasy stuff for the 33rd team, um, tweeted out a list of quarterbacks in terms of guys that have started, or I think it's will be starting this week. I don't want to misconstrue um, the, the list, but I'm pretty sure it was quarterbacks that are starting this week. And the list is just absolutely ungodly uh, <laughs> in terms of who it is. So the list goes Jarrett Stidham, David Blau, Josh Dobbs, Desmond Ritter, Nick Foles, Davis Mills, Teddy Bridgewater, Carson Wentz, Mike White, Baker Mayfield, Kenny Pickett, Andy Dalton. And then he captured it saying the NFL has a starting quarterback problem. And then <laughs> the, the fan base of the team that I still root for, for whatever reason, got all up in arms that Kenny Pickett was part of this list. Um, you follow me. You and I are, I consider us, you know, professional buds and whatnot. You know how I feel about Kenny Pickett. I, I wasn't a fan of the pick at the time. I'm still not a fan of the pick. I don't think that he's going to end up panning out, but everybody was so mad. They're like, you can't group Kenny Pickett in with those guys, like getting so up in arms about it. I think you absolutely can. Uh, for for my Steelers fans listening, what are your thoughts on? I mean, you got to see it firsthand when he was in Buffalo. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a young quarterback that, from all the things that I heard, like around draft time, like I was surprised. I shouldn't say that I was surprised. There, it's really going to be a, a crazy year for a quarterback not to get drafted, you know, in the first round. But I was a little surprised that um, the Steelers took a swing on him. You know, knowing that they had signed Trubisky and I just didn't see unless you just absolutely love the player. And I think what we've seen this year, I mean, there's been just a lot of up and down and more than anything, more than so than up and down, just not a lot of production. I mean, you go down his touchdown interceptions uh, game log and it's like, you know, zero touchdowns, zero touchdowns, one, one, zero, zero, one, zero, one, zero, one. You know, interceptions, three, one, zero, three, one, zero, 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 one. So that's good. At least he stopped turning the ball over at such a high clip. 
but it's like, you know, not a lot of, you know, great production. I'm not watching him super closely, but I also covered a quarterback in Buffalo who was bad as a rookie and wasn't that great as a sophomore. So what do you see in the guy? What do you think that the guy can become? What are his intangibles? They have some talent around him there, but they're definitely not winning games over the last six weeks because of their quarterback. So I don't know. It's a tough place to be in when you see a guy that, you know, maybe, maybe the light goes on. Maybe there's a, at a point that, but I have no problem with him. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I, I wouldn't have included him in that list either only because like most of those guys are like starting for because of some crazy circumstance elsewhere. Pickett sure. would be starting at this point, no matter what, like, sure. I think we saw enough from Trubisky at this this season to know that it's time to just put Kenny Pickett out there and just see what happens. The thing with me about Pickett and somebody, you know, I I rebutted and said, well, by the way, this is his rankings in terms of like the major passing categories. He's 34th in touchdown passes. He's tied for sixth in the NFL in interceptions, 30th in yards per game, 32nd in passer rating, 24th in QBR, 30th in EPA. None of that's good. Um, and somebody slid in and said, well, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence had Urban Meyer, didn't have nearly the weaponry that Kenny Pickett has around him, didn't have Mike Tomlin there helping him out. We can talk about Matt Canada all we want. He's god awful. But that doesn't mean that these two things can't be mutually exclusive. You know, I, Matt Canada is bad, but I don't think like Pickett doesn't have a big arm. He was I don't even think he was the best of a bad quarterback class. Um, he was in school for a decade. And was good for one of those years in a conference that that had a historically bad year. Like I, I don't see anything there. I think that his ceiling is being violently average, and I think his floor is like Kevin Cobb. I, I just there's nothing there for me. Yeah, and the thing that you do too when you draft a guy like Pickett is you kind of hamstring yourself for the immediate future. And like if you don't like absolutely love a guy, like I'd rather move mountains and trade the franchise to get the guy that you actually want as opposed to just like, all right, he's there. We're picking in the first round. He's I the guess we kind of need to take evaluated. a quarter. Right. Yeah. Like I don't love that approach. It's the same thing with Zach Wilson. When the jets drafted him, I'm like, I'm not seeing it with this guy. And like, as opposed to, I, I like Justin Fields better, but I still wasn't as sold as Justin Fields and as what we've seen this year, the jump that he's taken. Right. Um, so I can't even say like at the time, you know, draft Justin Fields and bang the drum. No, I, I didn't say that either. So don't do it unless you really believe in the guy. And and if you really believed in Pickett, this is a huge, I don't know, potentially a huge, like, you know, negative mark on the evaluation process of everybody involved in that pick. And you that's that's the that's the nature of this game though. Like, you know, when you p- draft the quarterback, you better know that you're staking your entire franchise and your reputation on it um and now you're in a spot where you've won too much this year we were probably not even going to be in the mix for the one that you really probably want next year and that's the thing too that really pisses me off because they like a month and a half ago they're sitting three and seven top five pick probably like all right you know what this is new territory but at least tomlin's tomlin's allergic to losing bro it's so frustrating because then they get a run of games against the nothing falcons the nothing colts and they're like, oh, would you look at that? Now they're seven and eight, still in the playoff hunt, technically. And it's just, they're going to talk themselves into giving him at least one more year because it's the Steelers and they're not going to give up on a quarterback that they drafted after one year. They're not going to Josh Rosen him. Um, so it is what it is. 
<laughs> wow, they've won four or five, huh? Yeah, they sure have. And they're playing Tyler Huntley again on Sunday night. So it looks like five of six is definitely in the cards. I think that Panthers dub was nice. Yeah, I mean, that was fun. But guess what? Trubisky was the quarterback of that game. And that was the best quarterback game the Steelers have had all season. So there you have it. There. there you have it. And then, uh, I don't, by the way, I love Dan Orlovsky. He Dan Orlovsky will know more about football this very second than I will my entire lifetime. I get that. And I'm not going to try to pretend I know more than Dan. However, cherry picking the one pass that was good from Kenny Pickett against the Raiders last week. And the one drive, the one drive, Matt Perino, that they made it to the red zone that entire game when the Raiders defense was playing like they were up 30 rather than up three. I, I don't know, man. I just, I'm not seeing any progression. And it's frustrating when this is a team where, you know, everybody talks about, oh, Mike Tomlin never had a losing season. Like, yeah, that's great. At some point, not having a losing seasons just got a like, where's the playoff success been the last decade? They really haven't had any. And it's, it is very frustrating as a fan of the team um, where, again, they draft a guy who looks like his ceiling is like Ryan Tannehill. And that's that might be being generous. So we'll see. Um, I brought up Trevor Lawrence. There's a very good chance that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to host a playoff game. I want that more than anything because I think that would be really fun, especially if it's against the Chargers. We get Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Herbert. Sign me. The That'd be pretty out. fire, actually. That would be very fun. Um, thoughts on uh, the season that he's had, especially this last you know month and a half where Jacksonville has just kind of come alive. Yeah, I have. I got to be honest with you. I've not seen a ton of Jags games over the last like six weeks when he started to really elevate his play. I mean, you look at the numbers, and he's obviously been uh, you know he's taken that that step that I think fans were waiting for from him. And so it's, it's exciting. There's, there's a lot of holes that you could poke in the Jags situation, but I think more than anything, what I think this season has done is really elevate the profile of Doug Peterson. I mean, it was, he took over such a tire fire there and for him to come in, right the ship, get everybody going in the right direction, you know, everybody kind of rolled their eyes when they gave all that money to Christian Kirk and then brought in Zay Jones and then Evan Ingram, all of these like castaways. And now those guys have really put together uh, in a, you know, borderline elite passing offense over the last six to eight weeks. That's good stuff. And they, they have one of the, you know, the best young pass rushers in the league and Josh Allen. And we're not too far removed from when he was like every day you log on to Twitter and some, you know, uh, Bleacher Report or Fan Side or some website would would put the the biggest trade targets on in the NFL out there, and Josh Allen from Jacksonville would be at the top of the list. And they were they were smart to to stand pat, and now they have some really nice pieces over there, and maybe they can make some noise. I mean, if you win a home playoff game and then you go on on the road with uh you know a quarterback the the level of of Lawrence who's playing with real confidence now yeah. and a group that believes in him and what they can do offensively. Travis Etienne is a fun uh, weapon out of the backfield. And I think that they've done some nice work on their offensive line. Who knows? It's a fun story. Who knows if they're ready to take a, a legit step that the, that can be super fun. And what, what would it be like if like Lamar Jackson's still not back yeah. and that first round matchup is the Ravens going to Jacksonville. Can, can the Ravens without Lamar beat that Jacksonville team on the road. I mean, that's, I'll that's answer that for you. Has. No, no, they cannot. All right. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, in terms of past DVOA, the top five teams in the NFL, Kansas city, Miami, Buffalo, San Francisco, Jacksonville is number five. 
So wow. they have had a fantastic year throwing the ball. Um, Christian Kirk, I mean, Christian Kirk was kind of made into a meme this offseason because Jacksonville gave him a boatload of money. Would he get like $17 million per season? Yeah. And everybody was ta- like, make, oh, Trent Balky back at it again. And then Christian Kirk's actually had a really fantastic season. Zay yeah. Jones, like all you said it, like all of these guys were like, oh, yeah, Zay Jones. What the hell? Let's bring him in. And then like they have had Evan Ingram, like everybody who was just kind of like, it feels like an expansion draft team almost with guys that just nobody wanted. And <laughs> yeah, then seriously. Jacksonville will bring them great, in. That's a great way to put it, like an expansion <laughs> draft team. Yeah, and Jackson was like, well, we'll take them. And they, they've done very, very well. Not not so much to the success of the, the Vegas Golden Knights a few years ago when they went to the Stanley Cup final. Um, but, hey. Dude, this is a, a wow season for Zay Jones. This dude... I'm looking at his stats this year. Career high in catches, 75. His next best season was 56 catches in 2018. He literally disappeared off the face of the NFL earth (laughs) over the last four seasons. And he rises from the ashes. He had some success in in LV the last couple of years, but nothing like this. He had 47, 57 he had 61 catches in his two years in Las Vegas. He's already got more than that. He's got 778 yards. That's a career high. He's got five touchdowns. He had seven in his second season. So we'll see if in the last two weeks he can tie that record. But, man, it's just it's been really, really good stuff for him. 10.4 yards per reception, really reliable. His catch rate is respectable. Um, let me just see where his drops are at while I have it up. His drop percentage. That's actually pretty high. He's got yeah. A, no, he's drops. had he's had a few he's had a few drops this year. I did a uh, I was going through uh, Jaguars film uh, from the latest game against Tennessee in Tennessee, and there was a play they sent him deep on a post. Uh, he was lined up um, as the X, and they had uh, Christian Kirk I think coming uh, on a crosser uh, from the opposite side of the field, and Kirk was open. He would have got a, a good gain, but Trev just lets one rip, and. Zay Jones is getting like a little bit yanked, but it's still a very catchable ball and it hits him right in the hands and he drops it in the end zone. Mm-hmm. And everybody, like I tweeted that I was like, Zay Jones should be arrested for dropping this. And it got a decent amount of attention. And a bunch of Jaguars fans are like, well, if Trevor would have thrown the crosser to Christian Kirk, I was like, this isn't the point of the tweet. The point of the tweet is that the ball still hit him right, right. in the fucking hands while he was draped by two. To- it was absurd. But that is the one thing that Jaguars fans, if I'm, uh, anytime I, I do some stuff about them, that's what fans are usually telling me is like yeah zay jones keeps dropping passes but when he's good he's good um so good for him for having a big year what are i mean why are what are evan ingram's numbers looking like because he's had like the past month for him has been really good uh i was actually just looking up gabe davis's stats because he had he's had a lot of drops apparently uh bills fans have been very unhappy about that he has he's seven got that alligator arm tight catching reference. motion too what's up with that 8.4%. So it's lower than Zay Jones. So Zay Jones is having a not great year holding on to the football. Yeah. Uh, let me hear. Let me see here. Evan Ingram, who uh, I really liked his upside from a fantasy perspective, but I just didn't have anywhere to put him on a team this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's had himself a career season, 68 career high catches, 723, which is a new career high uh, yards, four touchdowns, with his, which is too shy of his rookie year record. Of six, but I mean, again, another guy that just yeah. evaporated. He he was like uh, the, the you know all the superheroes at you know, oh, the end of yeah. So Jesus, it's it's. I mean, you said it. It's a, a credit to Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, all the offensive guys over there in Jacksonville. Um, 
good for them, man. And now they play the Houston Texans tomorrow, which, by the way, I mean, the game tomorrow doesn't really mean anything because it's going to come down to the Week 18 matchup against Tennessee, which is in Duval. If they're playing, I mean, they're going to play their selection of a banged-up Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, who looks like he can't play, and Josh Dobbs, who just had his first career start two nights ago. If they can't make it to the playoffs facing that, there's a problem, but they're doing a hell of a lot better than a lot of people expected them to do this season, and it's uh, a, a huge step in the right direction for them. Um, and our mutual buddy, Ben Raven, has had a hell of a month, the last two months really, with the Detroit Lions, who have just sprung themselves mm-hmm. into the playoff conversation. Uh, they they need to win these next two if they want any hopes of getting in. They play Chicago. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Uh, Jared Goff, you look at his numbers compared what at home compared to being away. They're much better at home. I think it's a lot because they play in a dome, and Jared Goff is just better inside. Um, but they do play at home, so they don't got to worry about going to the freezing conditions of Soldier Field. Uh, I do like I like Detroit this week. I don't think that they're going to sweep the Packers, so I think they'll be on the outside looking in. Um, but if you're if you're Detroit and you look at the year that Jared Goff's having. Um, you know, they kind of played themselves out of a, uh, a prime. Well, I guess not because they have the uh, the Rams pick. So they'll still be in position to draft a quarterback. But if you're them, you kind of stick it with Goff one more year or do you take a guy if he's there? <sighs> so tough. I mean, I, I'd i have to look at the contract. Did you mention just now, uh, can they get out of the contract? Let me pull up his contract right now on spot track and see what it, what it looks like. Yeah, look that up because I think that would obviously be a big piece of it. You know, one idea that I saw floated by somebody, I don't remember if it was somebody from The Athletic or not, but like Tom Brady, if he's looking for a home, Detroit would be a really intriguing landing spot. I think that that, that would be the, situ- the best case scenario for a situation to land in with the most talent. I know McDaniels is in Vegas, but they have, all, they have some work to do to put talent. I mean – What's the situation? Like, are they going to trade like Carr and Adams because Adams now is all upset about the how this thing is developed? Are they going to try to keep Adams and talk him into Brady? Is that the way that it goes? Do they draft a quarterback? Like, there's it's all going to come down to like the reverberations from all these other decisions around the league, I feel like. And also, it's what you think in terms of the draft. Like I think what you've seen out of Jared Goff this year is a guy that super comfortable in this offense. And if there's not a better off, I think Goff next season, if you could stomach the um, the cap hit, whatever it ends up being, is in the third. So, late, high so they do have a there's a potential out after this season. Next okay. year, the cap hit is about a little bit over 30 and a half million dead cap only 10 million. So if, if they decided, ah, yeah, it was a bad idea. Then the dead cap. Went- and then I think you, I think you, t- I think you keep him. You need that one option. Yeah. There's not a lot of big contracts on the books elsewhere. Is a CUDA up this year? Are they gonna have to pay him? I don't think so. Let me get it pulled up real quick, but I'm pretty sure he's not due until next year. He was, he was uh, what a 2020 pick. 2019. Uh, yeah, I think so. Sorry. I got a little co-star here coming up. Oh, hello. Say hello, Jared. Say What's hi, Jared. Name? This is exciting stuff. Um, Kennedy. Kennedy. Hi, Kennedy. That's a pretty name. Say I like your jammies. What's on your? Is that sand on your jammies? Yeah, sand. I love on. that. This Very is a, a pump fake exclusive. We don't get to see too many of my uh, uh, friends' children on the show, so that's this is great. Yeah, did you have a good Christmas, Kennedy? Nope. What? Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah. 
What was your favorite yeah. present? Um, the one I got from my cousin's house. Oh, which, which one was that? Uh, the coloring. The oh, the coloring. Yeah. Yeah, you love coloring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love art. Well, can you say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody? Happy Christmas. And Happy yeah. New Year. And Happy New Year. All right. I'll be up in a few minutes, okay? But yeah, I what, I do. Oh, you want to sit with me still? Okay. You can sit with me, but I just got to finish, okay? Yeah, let's get Kennedy's thoughts on Jared Goff's contract. All right. So she's just going to watch. <laughs> there you go. That's more than okay with me. This is nice. <laughs> all right. Before I get you out of here, um, first of all, it's nice seeing you again. Hope you had a good Christmas. Your daughter says you did, so that's nice. Uh, appreciate you doing that's this. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, I appreciate you as always. Uh, anything that you want to plug before we get on out of here, and then uh, I'll let uh, you go be a dad. Um, yeah, just anything you want, Bills related, uh, head over to YouTube. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Matt Perino, which is up here. That's the best way to find everything. Uh, over on YouTube, the Shelf Bills podcast will have you covered. We have Three episodes live up right now. You can get it on audio or video. Uh, and then we'll have your full coverage from Cincinnati. I leave in the morning. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you as always. We'll do this again, hopefully, in, in the middle of playoff time. If I can sneak you in here, that would be awesome. All right, um, brother. Take we'll, care. Take care. Take care. Bye, Kennedy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.